Welcome to another episode of In Context. Uh, that is a podcast hosted here at Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Keith Knight. I'm one of the pastors here. Again, joined by... Brandon Levering. Also, also one of the pastors here. See, you're yeah, getting it. I'm Same thing it. every I'm, time. I know. We're buried in construction currently. I'm resting my arm on pieces of counter that are no longer there. Uh, our church is having some work done to it as part of the uh, repair from the derecho that we experienced. Uh, something we learned this year, derecho. Derecho. Um, so we are, our current uh, studio is in a little bit of disarray, but our microphones are working, so we're happy for that. Um, we've really enjoyed doing these podcasts, and especially as they uh, kind of uh, jump off of uh, the passages of Scripture we're using for our weekend services. Uh, it's just an opportunity for us to talk about things that uh, we hope are helpful to people, seem to be mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. We would always ask, too, we're, we're totally open to tackling anything that you guys would have. Um, well, maybe not anything. Well, anything. <laughs> well, maybe not anything. <laughs> No election re- stuff right we now. We reserve the right to say, I don't know. Right. I will only talk about election if we're talking about predestination. <laughs> Speaking of which. Did you ever think that we would that we would have a less controversial opportunity to speak of biblical election no in, like, in oh, regards to. Sh- <laughs> that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe we'll do it. No. Uh, but today we are going to talk about, as we've been diving into Galatians, uh, recently what's come up in the book of Galatians is this idea of Abraham and the foundations of faith. You know, Abraham believed and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Well, if you're paying attention, depending on maybe what, um, f- what uh, flavor of Christianity you grew up with or how the churches that you grew up in have handled the Bible, or your own perspective, or what p- popular teachers you listen to, um, when you hear that phrase, you might think, wait a minute. <laughs> Especially when Paul says the gospel was preached beforehand <laughs> right. by the scriptures to right. Abraham saying, right. in you all nations shall be blessed. Right. And then the question always comes, and I've had it over the years from students and from adults. Okay, so wait. If if Jesus was post-Abraham, post-Old Testament, then how how is salvation a thing for Old Testament saints mm-hmm. and and then even the, the bigger question really that we have is, um, that we're going to try to tackle today, is really like, so why should Christians be interested in the Old Testament, yeah. reading it and understanding yeah. it, not just for like uh, Instagram devotional pictures, but why <laughs> should we really be mm-hmm. interested in understanding the Old Testament? Does it matter? Or could we just run with the New Testament? Mm-hmm. I heard one time somebody say, you know, I thought we were a New Testament church. My response was, I think we're a whole Bible church. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a huge question. Um, and, and you know, there's, there's several hurdles, I think, that get in front of us when we look at the Old Testament. You know, yeah. some, some of the books in the Old Testament are like in, inviting that, that crazy aunt or uncle to the family reunion. <laughs> you know, you, when they show up, it's kind of like, you know you're related, but... They speak a different language. They're a little awkward. You kind of like, you know, feel uncomfortable. Some of the books in the have Old Testament. That, just in case any of my, my relatives are listening. Well, maybe that's because you're that crazy. Anyhow, true. I'm not going to go there. That's um, true. But, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, there's a foreignness to it for many of us. Mm-hmm. There's a complete, you know, it's a different kind of literature. We're not sure what to do with, with some of those things. Um, and we get way less exposure to it. Um, sure. By and large, 
churches just don't spend as much time in the Old Testament. So we have all these things that kind of make it feel, um, that, that kind of keep us a, a little bit at arm's length. But what strikes me in Galatians 3 is here's Paul making his case to a church of predominantly Gentiles. Like they're not Jewish. They're believers in Jesus, but they, they're not uh, part of the people of Israel, ethnically speaking. And the way Paul makes his case to this Gentile church that justification is by faith in Jesus is by going to the Old Testament and showing them from Scripture over and over and over again of why this is true. That's um, the only thing they had to go on, right? Exactly. Like we, we take that for Bible granted. Of right? the <laughs> yeah. early church was when, the Old yeah. Testament. When Absolutely. they're emphasizing any any time you see in the New Testament them talking about the scriptures, yeah. I mean they're not talking about themselves at that moment. Though they knew, I mean, I what yeah, the the, what they were Peter's writing, writing down. His right? Yeah. Letter Paul's Paul's you know he rent, he puts Paul's writings together with scripture. Right. But prior to that. Yeah, yeah, when they talked about the Bible, the scriptures, uh, they're talking about the old, what we call the Old Testament. Right, um, right. And, and so why should Christians read it today? And at, when we read it, um, how do we make sure we read it with a view toward Jesus and his fulfillment of it? I think those are, those are pretty critical questions. Um, the first thing I say to that is Jesus tells us, that the Old Testament is about him. Sure. I mean, there's so many examples of that. Uh, John 5 and his conversation with uh, some of the Jewish leaders there, but kind of your classic example is the conversation on the road to Emmaus yeah. after his death and resurrection, and, and the disciples are scratching their heads. They don't have a category for a crucified and risen king. Um, they had had their hopes that Jesus was going to be the guy, and then he got killed, and now somebody says he's, a, he's raised, and we're on our way out of town because we don't we don't get any of it and so on. And Jesus comes along, and these are you know people who had who had been with Jesus. They don't sure. they're kept from recognizing him in that moment. But he says to them finally, "Oh foolish ones!" This is Luke twenty four twenty five to twenty seven. "Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets mm. have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory?" And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Yeah. So Jesus takes them on this little Bible study through Moses, which is shorthand for the law, Genesis right. to Deuteronomy, right. the prophets. Um, and then later in Luke 24, he does the same thing with the rest of the apostles. Mm -hmm. He says, this is verse 44, these are my words that I spoke while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Right. And, and those three phrases, law of Moses, prophets, and Psalms, in a Hebrew Bible, that refers to the three sections of a Hebrew Bible, right. the, the Torah being the law of Moses, the prophets, the Nevi'im, which mm -hmm. is, is um, kind of the what we often call historical books mm -hmm. first, and then the major and minor prophets. Right. Um, and then the writings, the Ketuvim, which starts with Psalms. And so it's, it's kind of the, often you can refer to a section by its first book or to a book by its first word, as the, as the Hebrew Bible often does. So he's saying the whole thing is ultimately about him. That it all points to him, and he's walking through with his disciples, helping them understand uh, how they shouldn't be as surprised as they were that things turned out this way because it's right. what the prophets said. And if hmm. if the apostles 
we're supposed to pay attention to the Old Testament. If yeah. Jesus tells us he's the main character, um, then I think it's a good idea for Christians to pay attention to the Old Testament. Sure, and let's maybe let, we're, let's let's back up for one second and address because as you're saying this, what I'm thinking is the way that a lot of Christians, not everybody, because we've you know there's been a lot of work in getting information out there, and I think at this point in time in history, there's a lot of great information you can mm-hmm. take like courses yeah. online in like old testament in new testament mm-hmm. so but one of the one of the biggest misunderstandings is a lot of christians approach the bible as like a manual for mm-hmm. life right yeah. like basic instructions before leaving earth mm-hmm. which is a super reductionistic way to look at the bible it's yeah. not that is not what it's it's the same thing as why some christians fall short if you're trying to like counter like science just with scripture because mm-hmm. the bible is not predominantly a science book it's predominantly a history book with the overarching meta narrative Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. god has done in the world right so so backing up and understanding like how to approach it i think some people get tripped up on the old testament because it doesn't seem to be very applicable you get into the law and you're like well even if it's about jesus what the heck does that have to do with me and and you have parts of it that don't apply to the church in the same way that they applied to israel the law being the case in point um, what does it look like to obey some of these laws? And, and so it is. And so, so often what happens, if Christians spend time in the Old Testament, they usually do one of a few things. We go looking for characters mm-hmm. that we can kind of study their character to either become like them or mm-hmm. maybe to avoid them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a complete foul, but sure, there's sure. more going on than there. Or we go looking for a few principles mm-hmm. for life. Mm-hmm. Um, we might land mm-hmm. on something that, maybe kind of speaks to a topic we're interested in mm-hmm. and just kind of cherry pick here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, or you go all prophecy conference and just kind <laughs> of like, you know, uh, get at, break out the charts and, and, and so Ezekiel on and, so and Daniel, baby, bring it. Um, so, and I mean, are there other, uh, what, what other times might, might Christians want Psalms, you know, Psalms, Psalms is kind of like yeah. that timeless thing. Right. We, we'll, we'll claim Psalms. Right. Um, and, and maybe Proverbs too. Um, we, but. we do miss the nuances of, we miss the nuances of the types of literature because yes. it is a, it is one of the most wonderful things about the Bible is it, it encompasses all the types of literature. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like God in, <clears throat> you know, in the same way that we talk about Alpha and Omega, God being exhaustive in like what he knows, he, yeah. he's also like covering the full gamut of human understanding and experience as far as it applies literarily you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's cool yeah um so but like yeah just approaching it with this reductionistic even just oh it's nice to know the history mm-hmm. right yeah it's kind of old testament it's history of israel and what right. they believed and what right. god did with them right which is of course true but it's more than that it sure. is an abiding word of god right um and uh and i think one of the things that maybe helps us uh, begin to become more familiar with it is something you mentioned a second ago, the mm-hmm. fact that Scripture operates like a meta-narrative. And so that's a technical term for, you know, an overarching story that makes mm-hmm. sense of all other stories. Right. And and together, the Old and New Testament work together to tell that grand story of God's plan for creation, uh, His uh, purpose in redeeming sinful humans and, and how He's going to carry that out and, and how He's going to finally restore it in the end, and so on and so forth. Um, and understanding, you know, that there's an ongoing story through the Old Testament 
and figuring out, okay, where are we at in that mm-hmm. story? Because mm-hmm. the, the other thing that we do with the Old Testament, if we do anything with it, is find some promises from God that we can cherry pick. Um, so Jeremiah you know, 29, 11. Come on, that's where I was going, baby. You know, just read the verse before, okay? It's, How was your time in the Babylonian exile? Exactly, exactly. Which doesn't mean Jeremiah 29, 11 isn't for us right. in what God is, is right. promising on exactly. a grand scale, but it is not to us Right. Um, if you read that. That's a context. really good distinction. Like mm-hmm. what you just said, I want to point out to people, that, and this is where people get, I think some people get their feelings hurt because they'll be like, well, hey, that's my life verse. Like I know the plans I have for you. While that is true in the broad scope, we we got to be careful not to try to individually apply it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing with scripture is we tend to read it because the printing press was a wonderful invention. It also, the, the negative side of the printing press is we have so hyper individualized mm-hmm. our study of the Bible that when we read it, we're assuming that everything is to us yep. individually, primarily, and then secondarily yeah. to a group of people, right? Yeah. And especially the prophetic books and, and such. They're writing to the people of Israel and, and the epistles. I mean, you have some epistles written to individuals, right. the pastorals like Timothy yep. and Titus. But by and large, they're written to churches. Right. Most of the pronouns <clears throat> and verbs when they're giving instructions are plural. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's again, another benefit of paying attention to the context is, is uh, seeing, which doesn't mean it's not for us. Right. Right. You know, right. Uh, or doesn't apply, but it applies often in a community context right, first. Right. Um, yeah. And so, all right, what are some strategies for overcoming some of the, the hurdles, the um, uh, maybe my insecurities if I'm going? If I, I mean, it's a big honking book. Um, you know, I'm opening <laughs> yeah. this thing up, and all of a sudden it's, it's talking about, uh, um, I just flipped to... Uh, to Ezekiel, excuse me, to Ecclesiastes, dead yeah. flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And I'm like, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I got nothing. You know, what do I do to overcome the the insecurities or the distance or the lack of familiarity? Are there some just kind of strategies that'll help me become familiar with the Old Testament and a little bit more confident, mm-hmm. both in reading it but also in following that storyline to Jesus. Sure. Well, the first one, the first one that I think of, and I've thought about this with students over the years, mm-hmm. is a lot of the times when I've encouraged biblical study, I get the, the response I get is, I don't like reading. <laughs> and then one of those kids will get on a bus with a Harry Potter book, and I'm like, hold on, man. Mm-hmm. That book's like it's twice as thick as the Bible is, right? Like you have yeah. no problem reading that. This is going to sound... You're going to have to chew. You're going to have to be patient with what I'm about to say. Like, and it's not original to me. I heard someone say, um, it would be good if sometimes when you went to read the Bible, you approached it in the same way that you would approach a story, mm. you know, a, mm-hmm. a fictional book that you may be reading. Please do not misinterpret that. <laughs> what I'm saying is because we approach the Bible assuming, like we're already expecting, I'm going to find something for me today, that you really lose the joy of the meta narrative. Yeah. The wonder of it gets, I mean, there are great 
things that we need to stop and, and pause. And there are weird stories in the Old Testament. There are things that we don't think make sense and don't apply to the New Testament. But if you know the, the historicity and how those are mm-hmm. informing the New Testament, mm-hmm. you'll see New Testament offers refer to things that you'd never imagined they would yeah. f- refer to. So if you yeah. run past the the if you run past the actual stories in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you're going to miss a lot yeah. if you're just doing like, I'm going to do a chapter day, I'm going to pull out a devotional mm-hmm. thought. That's not going to help in some cases. Yeah, and you even think just some of our, our basic doctrine makes no sense whatsoever apart from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, concept of propitiation, uh, or blood right. sacrifice that atones for sin and, and exhausts the anger of God. That, you know, if you're not clued into Exodus in particular sure. and, and some of the sacrifice, the burnt offering in Leviticus, uh, but especially the Passover being the key Old Testament background there, I mean, it just sounds weird. And so right. people, you know, scholars will try and anchor it in some sort of Greco-Roman, like, mythology. And it's like, no, just read the Old Testament. That's where the New Testament authors point us right. to make sense of how is it that Jesus can stand in our place and take our sin. Well. Go, but let's let's go back to Exodus. Let's see how the Lord redeemed His people in that story, where you have a lamb uh, who's slain uh, in order to uh, deliver the firstborn from the angel of God, who is who is executing God's judgment against sin. Right. I mean, that's that'll preach. That's the gospel right, right. there. So, right. Um, you know, uh, biblical themes. Um, uh, metaphors, different things like that. The New Testament is so deeply dependent on the old that sure. you really can't make a lot of sense of the new without the old. Yeah, and you'll you'll do bad things with it. Like the <laughs> stupid statements where like people are like, "Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality." Mm-hmm. He actually did when he requoted Genesis chapter one, yes. and that for this reason, you know, mm-hmm. a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Yeah, he affirms the biblical creation because yeah, he design. wrote it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I think I heard uh, Vodi Vakum say one time when there's sulfur and you know when the brimstone was raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus was doing that. He was mm. like, a, he was not only approving of that, that he was in on that because he's part of the Trinity. Absolutely. So an, a misunderstanding of Old Testament and how, where Jesus fits into that will cause you to see Jesus as disconnected from everything that happened in yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah. 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 So, you know, one, I used to teach Old Testament survey at, uh, at a middle school, a Christian, small Christian school in Massachusetts. Um, Does this guy know how to party or what? Come on, baby. Uh, middle school students, Old Testament survey, and it was a blast. But Probably, one of the yeah. things that we would do, because I think one of the most helpful things to begin to reduce the lack of familiarity with the Old Testament and find your way around in it is understanding some of the big stages mm. of the of the story. Right. And we would break that down into 10 stages. So there's creation, yep. Genesis 1 through 3, yep. the fall, right. uh, which Genesis 1 to 2 would be creation, the right. fall, Genesis 3, Maybe take it through 11 if you want sure, to get... Sure. Uh, or Fall and then fall again. Yeah, babble <laughs> in there and whatnot. And then you have the patriarchs. Um, mm-hmm. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that's kind of Genesis 12 through the end of the book of Genesis. Right. You have the Exodus, Exodus yep. and wilderness kind of period. So that sure. takes you Exodus through Deuteronomy. Um, you have the conquest where mm-hmm. Israel comes out of the wilderness into the land in the book of Joshua. You have the period of uh, Judges, and so which, you know, 
nicely is the book of Judges, same thing. Uh, you could tuck Ruth in there as well. Sure. That happens during the time of the Judges. And even a little bit into the first few chapters of Samuel. But then you have what's called the United Monarchy or the United Kingdom. So one kingdom of Israel, and that's kind of Samuel uh, through First Kings 11-ish, mm-hmm. um, where you had you know first Saul, then David, then Solomon. That breaks down right. um, into... Uh, then a divided kingdom, and uh, where after so, you know Solomon's son Rehoboam um, is kind of the worst leader in history, basically, <laughs> and, and so Israel saying something. <laughs> Israel splits into kind of a north and south kingdom historically, and that that takes you you know much of Kings Chronicles covers some of the same materials as Samuel and Kings, and then from the united divided monarchy they go into exile, um, where they're take, kicked out of the land into Babylon. And then you have returned from exile. Eventually, uh, they come back. And so exile is kind of First Kings 25-ish, but you've got also Esther. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel mm-hmm. happened during some of that time. And then return from exile, right. uh, where they come back into the land. And so so the, the historical books, or the narrative books of the Old Testament, kind of follow that storyline. And then you kind of go back and say, all right, when I'm in Psalms or when I'm in the Prophets— where am I at in that storyline? Right. So Psalms is pretty easy because it's predominantly David. Right. Um, you do have some other other um, uh, Solomon's got a psalm or two in mm-hmm. there. Even Moses has a psalm in there, but right. it's predominantly David. Proverbs predominantly United Monarchy as well. Solomon. Right. You get some Hezekiah stuff uh, from later on too. Um, but the prophets, like figuring out where am I at in the prophets, knowing the storyline, is this united monarchy, divided mm-hmm. monarchy, is this exile or return, <clears throat> figuring out where we're at in that storyline when I'm in a prophet is huge. Sure. Um, because, you know, you look at um, Isaiah, for example. You know, so Isaiah is happening in the divided monarchy and even a little bit in the exile of the northern kingdom because that they fall to Assyria right. during Isaiah's ministry. Right. And yet he's also prophesying forward about exile and return from exile. Right, right. And so having that kind of narrative understanding of the, un, of the storyline of the Old Testament, that's huge for, um, uh, you know, the Jeremiah 29-11 sure. thing. All right, right, where am I at in the story? We're in exile. Yeah. And we're getting promises about coming out of exile. Right. That's... That makes a big deal in how I read and understand and apply sure, that verse. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's helpful for us to understand is to come into it with a broad understanding of what's going on so that then it makes more sense to mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you, can, then you can start thinking about, okay, so which the ultimate question, which is what we started off with, is what does this have to do mm-hmm. with... The new, te- you know, the new Testament. What does this have to do with? Well, what about these promises? Are they just hanging out there? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, um, some of our friends would interpret those as distinctly like for even like future Israel. Yeah, so exactly. promises that are made in the Old Testament completely are, unapplicable to the church. Right, like it just skips over the church. Um, and we would disagree. That's a whole, whole nother podcast. I mean, it, it is a whole nother <laughs> podcast. And uh-huh, so, yeah. um, and uh, and a lot of my studies were in that what we call dispensationalism. So mm-hmm. I grew up in that and then studied some, uh, quite a, quite a bit of that in, in, um, college. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's what, so not knowing how to take those, those historical sections then and, and do what Jesus does. Cause that was a problem with the guys on the road to Emmaus. It's not yeah. that they didn't know the history. 
they just yeah. didn't know how it tied into exactly. to Christ. And what's amazing is, as you read the New Testament is how the New Testament authors are taking uh, parts from every section of that biblical story right. and applying it to Christ right. and even in Christ to the church as those who are united with Christ. And so maybe the last question to think about is how do I see Jesus in the Old Testament? Yeah, um, Because it, it's great to get the storyline, understand the context, but that story is moving somewhere. Mm-hmm. Return from exile does not complete all of the promises and vision and plan of God in right. the Old Testament. Right. It, it is an unfinished story. And and it's building toward the one who is going to uh, be and do what both Adam and Israel failed to be and to do. He's going right. to complete that. Um, and, and so what are some strategies for seeing Jesus in the Old Testament or, or understanding how this thing moves forward to Christ? Uh, first is being careful not to over-apply everything to Jesus. Like, because you can do that thing where you take every single story so in the Old Testament and you he's immediately... the tree in the, you know... Yeah. The tree. Oh, yeah. wait, there's a tree over here. Okay. There. <laughs> yeah, like hyperbole. And, and, you know, and honestly, I love Charles Spurgeon. I have a lot of his writings. One of the things that he didn't do a great service to is one I, I know one of his phrases was you know when I'm working with a text I make a beeline to the cross yeah, yeah. that's not always applicable yeah. like what we would say is you have to first understand how it would have been applicable to the people yes. the audience then the yes. context of if you are uh, an Israelite in exile and you hear these promises you're not immediately running to Jesus mm-hmm. now we know that after the fact right yeah but just being careful to know when to apply something messianically and when not to. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about this in the Simeon Trust workshops that um, I get to help out with on occasion. And and so one of the, the principles we talk about, we call it our pathway to preparation. Mm-hmm. So you start with your text and and the, the biggest temptation is to jump straight to today mm-hmm. and like, you know, just start applying stuff. Right. But first you have to go to them then, just like what you talked about. You do your hard work of understanding what is this saying in its context mm-hmm. there but even then you can't just jump straight to today because right. otherwise you're moralizing or you're, you're um, kind of uh, uh, spiritualizing. Sure. Um, first you have to go to the cross and resurrection. How, how does the scripture uh, to them then, how does it ultimately kind of point forward or connect to the overarching work of redemption that God's accomplishing through Christ in his death and resurrection? Right. And then we're ready to bring it to bear on the church today. Um, and, and so some of the strategies we talk about with trying to understand that, you know, there's some very obvious ones that everybody's going to be familiar with. Um, promise and fulfillment. There right. are promises in the Old Testament about a king who's going to come and who's going to make things right, who's going right. to rule with justice and so on. Um, Jesus, especially according to the New Testament's account, is the fulfillment of those promises. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also have something that's called... Um, pattern or typology mm-hmm. or, or even analogy um, where there are either um, with typology there's basically patterns the easiest way to think of it sure so you have certain people or events or institutions in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that create a pattern uh, a real they're real in history they're right. not like just you know uh, it's not made up to make yeah, a it's point. Not fictional right. foreshadowing or something <clears throat> like that uh, so the temple for instance it's the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament right 
Jesus comes in John two and says, "Tear this temple down, right. and I'm gonna rebuild it in three days." Yeah. And yeah, they think he's talking about the building. He's talking about his body because, right. as the incarnate Son of God, he is the special place of God's presence on earth. Right. He's right. the temple. Yeah. And then those who are incorporated into him by faith become the body of Christ, which is the temple during. Uh, in between the cross and the new creation. And so we right. become that temple, which is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians and right. Ephesians and so on. Expressly says yeah. that. Yeah. And so so there's that institution in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but it actually, uh, it's real, but it also prepares the way for what Jesus, who Jesus is and sure. then what the church is. Or you think of, again, the Passover lamb we talked about a minute ago. Right. Um, you think of some of the characters like David in particular sure. or Moses. Jesus picks up and fulfills their role in in many ways right. and, and completes it and perfects it right or even joshua exactly right yeah. so you get that that very very specifically same same name even really yeah, exactly. like yeshua you know you get the same the same translation over and the same accomplishment mm-hmm. you know who's mm-hmm. going to take the people into the promised yeah, land not absolutely. moses <laughs> absolutely so the priesthood the yeah. sacrifices there's so many things that uh foreshadow uh, and, and give us the categories we need uh, to understand Jesus, and which they don't just give us categories. They're actually meant to point forward to him. You look at, right. you read through Hebrews, right? And Hebrews is just puts it out there. It's like, telling you. It's, it, giving, it's basically giving you the map. Exactly. <laughs> He's saying, you know, yeah, those sacrifices were great, but the whole point of those <laughs> sacrifices was to point us forward to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Yeah, even saying they could never, th- those yeah. could never work. Like yeah. the blood of animals is not going to free you from your sin. It's almost yeah. like, duh, guys, come on, get out. You know, that's Absolutely. not going to work for all time. Yep, yeah. yeah. So, so patterns um, and, and following that. And then the, another, another helpful tool is just... A, Again, being familiar with the biblical storyline, right. kind of the the progress of redemptive history, uh, creation, fall, redemption, new creation. Where are we at in the story? There are problems introduced in the Old Testament that only Jesus answers. Right. There are um, longings that only He fulfills. Sure. There are uh, again promises that only He takes up and and and, and fills out. So there's so much of just that unfolding story of we're yep. going somewhere, and, and Jesus is the only one who's going to be able to get us there. Right. And even devotionally with the Psalms, one yeah. of the mistakes that we make is when we see somebody saying, you know, in the Psalms, like, uh, my righteousness or I have been upright. And mm-hmm. like, well, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible teach that we're sinful? So can somebody, can a human being say, like, I am blameless? Like, and maybe looking deeper into, is this psalm about the psalmist, or is this psalm really about the fulfillment in Christ? And some of those specifically messianic psalms, um, can they're, they're meant to be applied yeah. to Jesus, yeah. right? And, yeah, you yeah. can often find, and this, this can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, it gets, it gets uh, You can find foggy. multiple horizons of fulfillment, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so... You know, you take uh, Psalm 22, for instance, right. and it is a, it's, a, it's a lament of David. Sure. He's crying out over the way that uh, his enemies seem to continue to get victory in times where he feels abandoned by mm-hmm. God. And yet, Jesus takes that up and fulfills that out on a level David never imagined. Right. Um, it's the very words he quotes from the cross, my God, my God, why have yep. you forsaken me? And so it's not, we shouldn't be surprised to see some sort of fulfillment in right. that Old Testament context. It's a little bit overlap. But pointing forward to an even greater fulfillment. And right. you'll find that all over in a lot of the promises and prophecies. 
So, Brandon, I guess the bigger push that we're trying to make here for everybody listening or to sum it up is that uh, Scripture is rich, both in the Old and New Testament. But in order to really understand kind of the culmination of what God was accomplishing through Christ, we really need to be able to go back to the Old Testament to spend time in it, to understand the backdrop of the gospel, so to speak, and then to be able to take all of Scripture and see it as relevant and applicable to all of life. And so that's where we would uh, leave you guys today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us with any questions, any topics for future podcasts. Um, But this week, spend some time in the Old Testament if you haven't in a while and uh, get to know or maybe uh, get in the familiar process of acquainting yourself with the Old Testament and then how it applies and cross-references to the New Testament. And uh, let's just be miners of Scripture to God's glory. We'll see you soon.